Well, I hope that worship was really meaningful to you. I hope it was an awesome opportunity to kind of take your eyes off of your circumstances, remind yourself of who God is and how great He is, and sing Him some some worship today. And I just really hope it really was, was a meaningful time for you. We're about to jump into the last message in this series. Next week, we're going to start a brand new series called Peace Thief. That's right, Peace Thief. I'm really excited. This next series was a one-off message that turned into a series all by itself. I was that excited about what God was showing me. We're going to look at different things that steal your peace, different peace thieves, like the opinions of others, like having the wrong perspective on life, like all kinds of really incredible things, not, not forgetting that heaven exists, you know, all kinds of things that can steal our peace. And can I just like you're not going to want to miss next week because I don't want to get ahead of myself and I'm, and I'm on the clock. But, but listen, like, I've been wrestling with this stuff. These peace thieves have been up in my face every day the last two weeks. And I'm sick of them. And we're going to preach about them because Jesus, he came to, to give, he's the prince of peace. Walking with him, he gives us peace in any circumstance. So we're going to punch some peace thieves in the face with the word of God, not our fist. This isn't violent. Next Sunday, you're not going to want to miss that series. It's like a five or six week series, I think. It's going to be really practical and powerful. But today we're wrapping up our Unstoppable series. This has turned into four weeks. And what I want to jump into is how to be a gamer and take your first steps. If you've kind of said, all right, I'm going to be unstoppable, like we've talked about, because I have the heart of, that Jesus wants me to have. Because if I'm going to be unstoppable, I've got to have his heart for people. I'm going to be unstoppable because... I'm going to follow him, I'm going to grow. And that's, that's how we, our faith becomes unstoppable as we go from come and see to come and following. I'm going to be unstoppable because I realize that now's the time I got to go. I got to go serve. Now's the time I got to go. Now's the right time for me to take that step of faith. And I'm going to be unstoppable as I decide that now is the time I got to go and use what God's given me for him and the expansion of his kingdom. And now it's going to be all about your first steps of getting in the game. That's why I'm calling it Gamer. Where to start? And we're going to jump into Nehemiah chapter 1. So I hope you flip there. I'm going to pray and get started. Dear God, thank you so much for your love for us. Help us to be gamers for your kingdom. Help us to be gamers and take the right first steps when we see the needs around us. This has been kind of a series where We've talked about church in general, but help us not to miss the practical implications for our own lives as we learn to follow you. And help us to be gamers for your kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen. We're in Nehemiah chapter 1, and this is an interesting story uh, about Nehemiah, who is a cupbearer to a king who has taken him into exile finding out that things aren't so great at home. He's an exiled guy who is never really out of the game. And when I look at this story, that's what I want. Like, as I look at this story and I look at my own life, I reflect on my own life. That's what I, I mean, that's what I want. I don't ever want to be out of the game. 
I, don't, I, I always want to be, I never want to be sidelined when it comes to following God and being who He's called me to be. I don't want to be out of the game as a dad. I don't want to be out of the game as a, as a husband. I don't want to be out of the game as a pastor. I don't want to be out of the game as a friend. I don't want to be out of the game when it comes to using my gifts for who He is. And there have been times where I've been out of the game where I have let the circumstances of my life distract me from what God is calling me to do and who He's calling me to be. There have been times in my life where I have looked at my life through the lens of the obstacles instead of the lens of faith, and it's taken me right out of the game. Nehemiah was a gamer, straight-up gamer, through and through the entire time. And his story is recorded in Nehemiah chapter 1. And the whole book of Nehemiah is an amazing passage, but we're going to just look at Nehemiah chapter 1. And what we got to know jumping into this series or jumping into this message is that Nehemiah is kind of going on the same time as Ezra is going on. And Ezra is a prophet inside of Jerusalem, which has been destroyed. The temple's been destroyed. The walls have been destroyed. They've been taking over as people were, some were left behind and most were taken into exile. And Ezra's behind in Jerusalem and Ezra's talking about rebuilding the temple and that's kind of his mission given to him by God. But Nehemiah gets another mission given to him by God late on as he has a hinge moment as we talked about last week, a hinge moment that kind of changes everything for him. It says this, it says, in the month of Kislev, in the 20th year, you following with me? One of my brothers, Hanani, came from Judah with some other men, and I questioned them about the Jewish remnant that had survived the exile, and also about Jerusalem which has got like God's holy city, the kind of epicenter for the Jewish people, God's people, was Jerusalem. They said to me, this is a bad day right here. They said to me, those who survived the exile and are back in the province are in great trouble and disgrace. The wall of Jerusalem is broken down and its gates have been burned with fire. When I heard these things, this is Nehemiah talking, I sat down and wept. For some days I mourned and fasted and prayed before the God of heaven. This is a gamer's first step in a bad day that would change his life. You ever have a bad day? <laughs> one of those days where everything can swing one way or the other. Here Nehemiah is, he knows things aren't great. He's been exiled and he is working as a cupbearer to Artaxerxes, the king who has taken him captive, the king who had besieged them. And as Jerusalem is broken down and destroyed, the walls are broken down, the people there, people he loved and cared for, some of them he knew, some of them he wouldn't have known, but they were all his people, that, that they were back there, they were vulnerable for attack, they were beaten down, they were disgraced, they were on the floor, knocked out, drag him out, things are terrible for his people. The news he gets is bad news, it's a bad day and it breaks Nehemiah down. 
when he hears this news, something happens inside Nehemiah, and he's broken. There's all kinds of things that break us, and a lot of it's no good. But one thing that should break us is when we see the people who God loves, when we see the need around us, when our eyes are finally open enough to, to look past our own circumstances, to see that people are really struggling right now. Did you know that? Like, I know we're just going by our day-to-day, and we, it, it peels out in complaints, and like, it kind of like vents out on Facebook, and we kind of like pick different things to target as the point, pinpoint of our frustration, whether they be politics or life or restrictions or whatever. But you know, underneath all of the anger and all of the rage and all the frustration and all of the impatience, you know, people are really struggling right now. And they cover it up. They try to hide it. They're not being honest about it, but deep down inside, they're really desperate and they're really wrestling and they want to give up and they don't want to keep going. And when we see that, it should break our hearts for them out of love. We should be so concerned for them that it doesn't just break our hearts, but it takes us forward in a step to make a difference. And Nehemiah, he is broken by what he hears about going on in Jerusalem. The city he loved is in ruins. People are hurting and in disgrace. They're vulnerable for attack. And it's much like what we would see around us right now if we took our eyes off of us. I mean, all around us, people are struggling just to live. Struggling just to, just to walk through the depression that has settled into their lives. There are people fighting for the lives of them and their kids and their spouses and their families. Addiction is just blowing up on the rise. Overdoses are happening all the time. Like it's getting, it's a, it's a mess out there. And God forgive me for not being broken about the things that break your heart. Change my heart. Nehemiah He has this amazing response. He just breaks. He cries. Crying makes me uncomfortable. You an ugly crier? (laughs) Uh, uh, People that can cry without crying ugly always amaze me. They're like, they're like one, like Denzel Washington when he cries. You ever see him cry? He's like, and like one tear rolls down. I wish I could be like Denzel. (laughs) Like Denzel, he cries cool. Not a lot of people can cry cool. (laughs) Maybe you're an ugly crier. I'm an ugly crier. Crying just makes me uncomfortable. I don't know what to do. And when I see my kids hurt, like it makes me mad. And like, I don't want to see them hurt. And like, I don't want to see them cry. And I don't want them to have to walk through the pains of life. Like, I don't want to, I don't want them to ever experience loss. I don't want them to be hurt like that. I'm But sometimes things just break. We need to be eyes open to what's going on around us. We need to be broken over what breaks God's heart. Maybe you're suffering right now. You think God doesn't see you. Do you know that your suffering pains God too? Like he, Jesus, when he saw the crowd weeping and desperation, the lost people gathered around Lazarus' tomb, it says that he wept. 
Like when I want my heart to be broken for the thing that breaks God's heart. If you're feeling all alone and really struggling, you need to know that God sees you and He hears you and He loves you. And what breaks your heart, maybe it's breaking His heart too. And in fact, maybe He's moving some people right now like he, to, to take a step forward to help meet you in your brokenness and show you hope. And maybe, just maybe, this video is one of those steps. You're not alone. God loves you, and He is moving in His people to have their hearts break for what is breaking His heart to. Nehemiah, he's broken, and he, he does this incredible first step. He starts to pray. It says, for some days I mourned and fasted and prayed before God in heaven. Like his first step is a serious step. It's not, I'm going to complain about it. I'm going to be mad about it. I'm going to post about it. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to yell about it. I'm going to scold my brothers and say, why didn't you do anything about it? You see, his first step is not to vent out his frustration. It's not to power up. It's not to engage his pride or his anger. That's not his first step in response to the brokenness he sees. His first step is something I'm so poor at, and maybe you're so poor at it too. It's about, he got down on his knees and he prayed. He just started praying for people. He started praying for himself. He started praying for God to work. His prayer is recorded in the first chapter. It's so amazing. Like he breaks down and he prays. And he's, first he's like, God, forgive us, man. We've drifted. We missed it. We missed the mark. Forgive us for not keeping your commandments. Forgive us for not being attentive to what you want us to pay attention to. Just forgive us for ignoring your laws and decrees. Forgive us for this mess that we've created and remember remember your promises to us remember your promises to us these are your people whom you love these are your people who you brought out of slavery and captivity to this promised land and give me favor as i intend to move forward to do something about the need i see that's a great prayer it's a great prayer that I need to practice more. It's like, I see the need, God. We've created this mess with turning from you. This is a result of our sin. This brokenness I see all around me, this brokenness I experience in my life, it's not your fault. In fact, you've been calling me to something better all along. This is what we create as we hurt each other, as we live out of our selfishness, as we ignore your direction for our life. This is the mess and the consequence that we've brought to the equation. Forgive us for it and remember your love for us. Remember your promises to us and give me favor as I intend to start walking forward. Nehemiah, he was like, Give me, I'm going to ask the king, I'm going, to, I'm going to try to do some stuff here, and I need your favor before I go in it. His commitment to prayer was so important, and I feel like it's so simple, and yet we neglect it all the time. We're so quick to rant about stuff or complain about stuff, and we're so slow to pray. And when we pray, it's just short in a moment before the next distraction hits us. We need to do better as a church in praying for the brokenness we see around us. We need to 
pray and ask God to remember and to show us favor as we move forward as a church. Would you commit to praying that every day with me? We want to be unstoppable. Our first step has to be prayer. We need to start to become a church that prays for the needs we see all around us. It's overwhelming, but it's so worth it. His first step is prayer, and then he goes before the king. His obstacle was not going to be his filter. There were tons of obstacles for Nehemiah. He could list them. Just like you could list the obstacles in your life right now that you feel like are keeping you from moving forward. There's plenty of obstacles in life. There's obstacles that you're looking at in your relationship. There's obstacles that maybe you're looking at with your health. There's financial obstacles. There's obstacles with your kids that you got to get over. There's all kinds of emotional obstacles that are in front of you. Our obstacles cannot be our filter. They cannot be what we see life through. Because if your obstacle is your filter for life, you will always see defeat. It will always wear you out. You will always be exhausted. You will have a tough time coming up with the motivation to take steps forward because your obstacles are constantly reinforcing the idea that you can't do it, that you aren't going to make it. Our obstacle can't be our filter. Our faith has to be our filter. How are you seeing life? Through the lens of your obstacles or through the lens of faith? Because if you're seeing life through the lens of your obstacles, no wonder you're exhausted, tired, and don't think anything's going to change. No wonder you're worn out and you're not even ready to take one step forward. It's because every step looks like an obstacle to you. But if you could start to see your life through the lens of faith, your obstacles would fade to the background. And though they are big and looming, you would know that because of your faith, you can do anything through Christ who strengthens you. Nehemiah, he had a ton of obstacles. I got the materials. I don't have any materials. I don't have any workers. Just me, one guy. How am I going to rebuild the wall all by myself? How am I going to do this all? How am I going to make a difference all by myself? I'm just an exiled cupbearer. I don't have any say. I don't have any pull. You know, I'm just... I'm just this guy, one guy, what am I going to do? But I've been praying for God's favor and I've been faithful to follow him before. I'm going to be faithful to follow him now. I've been praying for his favor. The obstacles, they weren't his filter. As a church, the obstacles, they can't be our filter. As a person, they can't be our filter. There's plenty of obstacles. There's been obstacles every part of this journey. Every step I've taken as a pastor, I've been, there's been plenty of obstacles. They've all whispered in my ear, you're not good enough. You can't do it. You're not going to make it. You shouldn't try. Don't step out. But I cannot let those things become the filter through which I see life. Faith has to be the filter through which I lead. Faith has to be the filter through which I, I, I live as a, as a person and a friend and a husband and a father and all those things. Faith has to be my filter. It has to be our filter as a church. Looking out and saying, what can God do in the midst of all these obstacles to show his strength? Nehemiah had plenty of obstacles, but he... <laughs> 
goes in front of the king just doing his job, faithful to his job, cupbearer to the king. It means, that, it means that he had never stopped being faithful in the space he had been given. That's what that means. God can do incredible things in your life if you just continue to be faithful in the space he's given you. And maybe it's not your ideal space. Maybe it's not the space you love. Maybe it's not the space you want to end up in. Maybe you're sick of being single and you don't like this space anymore. Maybe you're sick of this job and you don't want this space anymore. Maybe things aren't good at home and you're getting tired and worn out by the space you're in. But if you could just be faithful in the space you are in, God will do incredible things through you. It won't always stay the same. God's doing something. Just be faithful in the space you're in. Nehemiah as a cupbearer means he's just faithful. He was, he was faithful enough that this exile was trusted by a king. He's found in his court and he goes in and takes the wine and he gives it to the king. And he says, I had not been sad in the pre- his presence before. So the king asked me, why does your face look so sad when you are not ill? This can be nothing but sadness of heart. God was even moving in the pagan king to see and prepare what he wanted to do. This has to be something wrong with your heart, man. You look so down. And it says this, I was very much afraid, Nehemiah said, but I said to my king, may the king live forever. Why should my face not look sad when the city where my ancestors are buried lies in ruins and its gates have been destroyed by fires? You see, that's courage. Courage is stepping out in the midst of your fear. Courage is not the absence of fear. You can be a courageous person no matter how scared you are. No matter how much anxiety you're wrestling with. Young people, man, you're watching this. Kids, you can be courageous. It's not about not being afraid. We're all afraid sometimes. I'm afraid sometimes. Like, we're all afraid. Being courageous, it's not about not having fear. It's just about being willing to take steps forward even with the fear. It's about trusting that God is going to move on your behalf for you even when you're scared. Some of you, you've been living in fear. You need to start to understand that you can live courageously, not because of who you are, but because of what God's doing on your behalf, what he's going to do through you, how he's working behind the scenes to prepare you for what's next. He's, fair, he's, he's afraid, but he's just trusting God at this point. He steps courageously past his fear and lets his, his request and what's bothering him be known to the king. And the king just responds with favor. God had been answering his prayer. He says, what do you want? And he prays again. Nehemiah is so good at praying to the God of heaven. And he answers, if it pleases the king and if your servant has found favor in his sight, let it let him send me to the city of Judah where my ancestors are buried so that I can rebuild it. Let me go rebuild the wall. The king with the queen sitting right beside him just said, how long is your journey going to take and when are you going to get back? And then it pleased, when he knew it pleased the king, he set, he set a time 
that he would go and that time when he would come back. And not only that, he asked for letters. He said, like, I need some supplies along the way. Could you write me some letters? Could you get me everything you need? And God moved miraculously through King Artaxerxes to give Nehemiah all the supplies and all the protection he would need to go back and build the wall. I mean, that's incredible. God does incredible things when faith is the filter through which we operate. When we are a gamer in the game, living courageously even in the midst of our fear, willing to take first steps forward and making that first step forward prayer. And God does absolutely amazing things. There, there's three keys that I just don't want to miss in this message, from this passage. And, and here, here they are. Keys, three keys to keeping obstacles off of your, out of your view. Keeping them, three keys to keep the obstacles from being the filter through which you see life. Three keys that will help you keep faith as your filter, as you look at life. Number one, stop assuming failure. That's something that makes your obstacles bigger than what they are. Your obstacles go from little bitty obstacles to huge mountains of obstacles when you start assuming that you're going to fail. When you start assuming that the obstacle is going to win. Stop assuming failure when you look at your life. That's not faith. Faith looks at your life and it says, Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Even when I don't feel it, I know it. Even when I can't see it, I believe it. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. My obstacles say I can't make it. I'm not going to be able to do it. This is going to end badly. Just stay put, at least for now. You're safe where you are. Stay away from the obstacle. It's going to crush you. Faith says, no, man, I feel the weight of that it scares me to death but my faith says i can do this through christ just like nehemiah's his faith said this king may kill me but i can do this i'm scared but i can do this i've been praying for favor from god i can do this through god and what he wants to do in my life don't assume failure faith never assumes failure Faith assumes that God is working on our behalf to bring about amazing things. The number two thing is manage the, your time and place. It's just like this story of Esther, right? What if this is your moment? What if this is the time God has called you to? What if this is the place he has you for this specific reason. The second thing I think I get out of this passage that'll keep obstacles from becoming the filter through which I see life is that, that I got to make the most out of the time and the space God has put me in. What if this is just your moment? It's about being faithful right now. It's about doing your job well right now. I know you want a different space, but if you could just start living faithfully in the space God has you, maybe that will change your space. Maybe that will shift your space. Nehemiah is faithfully being a trustworthy servant of the king who took him captive. When God moves him back to the city he loved, his discontentment with the space he was in shifted so fast to the space he wanted to be in because he was being faithful in the space and time, managing it well. 
Maybe God's going to move you from a space you don't want to be in to the space you're really hoping for by you being faithful right now to just follow him and to do the right thing right here and right now. Managing the time and space you're in will lead you to the spaces he has for you. And those are the spaces you're going to want to be. The third thing I think that I learned in this passage about not having my obstacles be my filter for life and having faith be my filter for life is that I need to pray more. Like seriously. If I'm going to be in the game, I need to pray for real (laughs) way more. I'm humbled as I look at this passage and I see how much Nehemiah prayed and fasted how his brokenness led him to his knees instead of a keyboard, how his frustration was first played out in his prayers, how he approached God with confidence and humbleness, and how God answered his prayers. I wonder how different the story would be if Nehemiah hadn't first stepped it through prayer. And it's convicting because it's such a simple thing, yet it's the thing I ignore the most. 1 Thessalonians 5, 6 through 18, it teaches us to end everything to give thanks and to pray without ceasing, for this is God's will to us. You know how many times people ask me, I just don't know what God's will is. I don't, I don't know what I'm supposed to do next. And I I even forget to keep this as part of the answer. But what if discovering that is just about deepening our prayer effort? Man, I got to pray more for my kids. I got to pray more for my spouse. I got to pray more for you all. I got to pray more for the brokenness I see in my world. I I should start my day praying. I should end my day praying. I got to pray more. I got to make it part of the inner dialogue. Instead of my inner dialogue being my obstacles and what they're going to do to me, my inner dialogue has to be with God in prayer, asking Him to remember me and helping Him and, and asking Him to forgive me when I mess up and asking Him for favor for my life. I need to have my inner dialogue be prayer. Stop making your inner dialogue be driven by your obstacles and start letting your inner dialogue be one of prayer. That's how you pray without ceasing. And that's how you know God's will for you. What he has for you to do today, what he wants for you to do tomorrow is through prayer. Three simple things to help faith be our filter for life instead of our obstacles. Listen, that's how we become unstoppable. It's by being a gamer for the kingdom, never out of the game. It's not by letting our obstacles drive us by assuming failure. Even though we're scared, we start to see through faith that God can do anything through us. We can do anything with Him in us and by our side. We, we become a gamer by, by realizing that we got like, to pray more. We got to commit to praying. We be a gamer by realizing that we're never out of the game just to be faithful in the space we're in right now. Let's pray. Dear God, thank you so much. Thank you for your love for us. Help us to be unstoppable for your kingdom by having an attitude like Nehemiah. As we, as we say we're going to go, help our first steps going to be faithful where we're at. 
Help our first steps going to be broken by what breaks your heart. Help our first steps going to be, to be managing the space we're in well. And help our first steps going to be always full of prayer. Help us to live that out in our personal lives. And help us to live that out as a church. Thank you that you love us no matter who we are, no matter where we're at. In Jesus' name, amen.